tonight, Genesis chapter 22, <clears throat> Genesis chapter number 22, and I do want to encourage you to try to keep our people in prayer. Uh, so many out tonight, uh, I've been talking with several this week, Brother Mickey Broom is still out, uh, not feeling well, you pray for him, as Tina, she looks after him, and Les is out tonight, she's uh, under the weather, running fever with this stuff, and glad to see Miss Coates back there, thank the Lord you're feeling better. And uh, I got a report when I got back of all the folks who had been kind of under the weather and didn't know that there was a little bit of a bug moving through our area. But you pray for our people. Pray especially for our expectant moms tonight. Uh, we have a lot of those in our church. Thank the Lord for that. I, I love it when the Lord grows the church either way. Amen. Whether he grows it through folks getting saved or folks being born, I'm thankful for that. Pray for our expectant mothers tonight. Ms. Kristen, uh, thank the Lord, was released from the hospital a little bit earlier, able to go home. And uh, our moms carrying our little ones need uh, extra prayer as, as uh, bugs move around and uh, sickness moves around. So you pray for them. Be sure to be faithful throughout the week. Genesis 22, a uh, passage we know very well. Let's stand together tonight, stretch our legs just a little bit. <clears throat> it's been a little while since uh, I have preached on our series of the road to readiness, but I'm excited about it. And looking forward to uh, finishing up Abraham tonight. We've been looking at Abraham for a little while and looked at three different places <clears throat> that the Lord has stopped him on his road to readiness. As God readies him for his ministry, uh, he has stopped him at three. And tonight we're going to look at the fourth different stop along the way. And these places were areas that God used to grow him. Uh, now remember, when we read through the word of God, things aren't as random as we think they are. Sometimes I think we make a mistake in our own life, not realizing that God brings us to places for purpose, for purposes. Sometimes they're places of joy and blessing. Sometimes they're places of grief and pain. Uh, but God can work through either. Aren't you glad tonight? Now we're going to look in Genesis 22 at the final location. Uh, the last stop that Abraham's going to build an altar, and uh, it's probably one of the most well-known in Genesis 22. We're going to look at a little different perspective. I told our Sunday school teachers meeting tonight, I'm uh, going to look at it from a little different perspective, and I pray it will be a blessing to you. Verse 1, Genesis 22. <clears throat> and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountaintops, which I will tell thee of. We're going to stop there, may read a little bit more, but I think you know the context. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your word, and I thank you for the great truths, Lord, that you have for us. And I pray tonight you'd help me present what you've given me in a way that's pleasing to you. I pray that, Father, you would uh, set a watch over my mouth, that I'd say what you would have said and not what I want said. And I pray most importantly, your Holy Spirit would have liberty to move in this place, even those watching tonight from home. I pray that, Lord, your will be accomplished through your word tonight and your blessings be upon the invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I would love to follow Abraham the rest of the year. Uh, because there's so much more here, but I believe tonight we're going to look at this last stop uh, on the road of readiness for Abraham. Now we know God has called, and we go back in Genesis and we see where God's called Abraham. Uh, but then he begins to bring him to very strategic places along this journey, and those places were not by mistake. These places were places God brought him there to help make him into what God wanted him to be. Now, aren't you glad tonight that God doesn't call us when we're ready? Uh, God takes us as who we are, and God makes us into who he wants us to be. 
You look in Scripture, Matthew 4, the Bible says he went up to a group of fishermen. And I'm thankful for that because I, I, I used to consider myself a fisherman. Uh, and I just kind of picture these country guys, these maybe rough around the edges guys, not necessarily career theologians. And he calls them and he says, follow me and I will what? Make you. Aren't you glad tonight that God knows who we are and yet in spite of who we are and our inadequacies, God wants to make us who he wants us to be. Now tonight that means there's no excuse for you and I. When God calls us, and by the way, it's not just into ministry that God calls us. God calls us on a daily basis for his purpose. God has a will for our lives each and every day. That's why he wakes us up in the morning. Because he's got something that he's going to call us to do. And we're thinking, well, God, I just can't do that. I can't be a part of that because I'm just so inadequate. I think we've all felt inadequate before. Uh, And if you've never felt inadequate, then you really are. Right? Because you're full of pride. And God resisteth the proud. We all feel inadequate. We're like Moses or Abraham or, or maybe even David who seemed the most inadequate of all the brothers. And yet the Lord made him into what he wanted him to be. Now Abraham, here he is. God's called him and God's going to use him. But God has to make him first. Now I want you to think about this tonight. Ministry is not man-made. Ministry is God-made. Never forget that. Ministry is not man-made. Now, listen, man can manufacture all kinds of mechanisms and programs, and don't get me wrong, there's a place for a program, and there's places for mechanisms, but understand, we can never circumvent what only God can do through what we can devise in our own minds. Don't think for a moment tonight that we can create something here without God. Acts chapter 5, what did it say? If this work be of man, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you can't overthrow it. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of something that can't be overthrown. I want to be a part of something that God's hand is actively working in, and in spite of all the world may throw at us, it can't be overthrown. Why? Because it is God-made, not man-made. Now, we're looking at Abraham. God is making him into what he wants him to be. We looked at the first stop along this journey. It was the stop of Shechem. Remember that place? Between the two mountains, Shechem was a place of opportunity, a place of decision, and a place of burden. I'm thankful that God shows us the opportunity before us, helps us understand the responsibility, and then gives us a burden for it. The second stop that he built an altar was the place that was out from Bethel. This was a place of discernment, dedication, and dependence. I'm thankful that as I get on the road to readiness to become what God wants me to become, I can depend on God. Aren't you glad? I can depend on God. When I'm back in my office praying and preparing for a message, I'm going to do my best to be ready to preach what God has said preach. But understand this, I must depend upon God. I can't depend upon the few notes you scribble down. I can't depend upon maybe a good story that you read or an illustration that I have. No, it must be dependent upon the hand and power of God. I'm thankful for that. So he took him to Bethel. He learned that there. And then the third stop, the last place we looked at was called Mamre or Mamre if we want to call it that. It was the place of peace, perspective, and preservation. And tonight we're going to look at probably one of the most important altars Maybe in all of scripture. Genesis chapter number 22 is an iconic stop uh, along the life of Abraham because it's the place where God had called him to go and sacrifice his only son. 
We know this story well. We've preached about it. We've heard about it. I think we've probably all applied this to our life in one form or another when we're making difficult decisions about laying it there upon the altar. But here's what I want you to understand tonight. There's only two points, okay? Only two points. Two things we're going to see here, but they're very important two things. They're two vital things that we must see. We have all got to make our way to Mount Moriah. This is a stop, just as we all need to go to Shechem and learn about the burden of what God's called us to do. Just as much we need to go to to Bethel and learn how to be dedicated and dependent upon the Lord. Tonight, we've got to go to Moriah. Why? Because there's something at this place that God was going to teach Abraham. I can ask you something. If God did not want us to learn from it, why would he have put it in his word? Why did he preserve that here? Because he wants every one of us tonight to make a trip to Mount Moriah too. We need to decide tonight, we're going to make a trip to Moriah on our road to readiness tonight. There's two points I want to show you about Moriah. We first get a glimpse of it when we look up the name of what Moriah means. Remember this tonight, we're going to repeat this throughout the first point, and you need to understand this. You look up the word Moriah, here's what it means. It means hill country. Mount Moriah is obviously a mountain, about 2,200 feet tall. Uh, For us in Mississippi, that would be a mountain. If you're out from the west and you've seen the Rockies, well, maybe you'd call it a foothill. But for us here in the south, we'd call it a mountain, 2,200 feet tall, Mount Moriah. You look up the word Moriah, it simply means hill country. And you look up this area where God's calling him to, and it's an elongated mountain chain. All right? There's some amazing things that happen along that mountain chain of where Moriah is at. But what I want you to pay close attention to is at this place God was going to call him to, God was going to show him something. Now, folks, listen to me. If you're not careful, God will bring you to places in your life, and you will miss the meaning of the moment. You ever been there? Have you ever been in a place you didn't like in your life, maybe a difficult place, maybe financially or maybe with your health, maybe a difficult place in your job, and you were struggling through that, and you didn't like that place, and we spent all of our time grumbling and griping about it, and not realizing that God brought us to that place because there was meaning in that place. I want to show you the first thing tonight of what's going to be happening in the life of Abraham that needs to happen in our heart tonight on the road to readiness. The Bible says it came to pass, verse 1, after these things that God did tempt Abraham or test him. He said unto him, Abraham, and he says, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Now watch verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. The Bible says he saddled his ass and took, took two of his young men with him. Now, the first thing tonight that you need to see is somewhere between verse 2 and verse 3, something happened in the heart of Abraham. Verse 2, God says, take your son, your only son. Verse 3, Abraham rose up early in the morning to do just what God told him to do. Can I tell you what Moriah is going to be to Abraham? Number one tonight, it's going to be a place of surrender. Moriah is going to be a place of surrender in the life of Abraham. Now, you've got to see this tonight because in verse 2, God commanded him. Verse 3, Abraham was obedient. Do you know what happened in between verse 2 and verse 3? Surrender. Surrender. Can I tell you tonight? 
that regardless of what God calls you to, if God calls you like Miss, Miss Mallory uh, to go halfway around the world, did you see the pictures of her on Facebook this week? She found her a coffee shop. Amen? Uh, I think I could go anywhere God wants me to go as long as there's a coffee shop, okay? Or I could bring my own coffee with me. God may not call you to go to Papua New Guinea, but God's going to call you to something. And can I tell you tonight that regardless of what God calls you to, one of the most fundamental elements of you being successful in that is you surrendering in your heart to what God's called you to do. The reason God would use Abraham to do such great things and his seed would be as the stars of heaven is because Abraham had a surrendered heart. Abraham got to the place between verse 2 and verse number 3, and it said, I want you to sacrifice your only son. And Abraham had to make a decision in here. All right, God, I'm, I'm going to surrender what you've called me to do. Now, I want you to notice something. This is a, a beautiful picture. Somewhere on the way to where God's calling him at Mount Moriah, Abraham is having to let go of something he wants to hold on to. That's what surrender is about, isn't it? I've been through the airport many times and uh, think that everything's good in my baggage or my wallet and lo and behold, you forget you have a pocket knife or you forget you have something that could be misconstrued as a weapon, a uh, paper clip or something. And uh, they tell you, we're not going to let you through here until you surrender that. That means you're going to have to let go of that. Now, this is what Abraham's having to do on his way to Moriah. Now, here's what's amazing. The road from where he was at to where he was going was 42 miles long. The hill he would be climbing would be a steep hill. So watch this. He's going to have to go the distance. He's going to have to climb the hill. And the only way he's going to follow through with that is having a surrendered heart. Now, can I tell you tonight, God's going to call you and I to go the distance for him. God, listen, he can use us where we're at, but I promise you, he's going to call you beyond your comfort zone. Wouldn't it be nice if we got to serve God in our comfort zone? Wouldn't it be nice if we got to serve God in that sphere of convenience of our life? I would love that. But oftentimes, God calls us beyond where we are. God calls us to climb the Mount Moriah's. And the only way you're going to make the trip and make the climb is if you surrender your will to the Father. And I promise you that's a lot easier said than done. I believe this tonight. You ought to jot this down. The greatest hindrance to succeeding in the will of God for your life is rooted in surrendering your life. The greatest hindrance in you succeeding in the will of God for your life is whether or not you are going to surrender over your life to that which God is calling you to. Do you know before the disciples in Matthew chapter 4 left their nets, they had to make a decision to surrender what God was calling them to do? Matthew 4, it says straightway they left their nets. Proverbs 23, 26, listen closely. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. I want you to break that verse down in two parts. My son, give me thine heart. Do you know what he's saying? Surrender. Surrender. The last half of that verse says, and let thine eyes observe my ways. It almost seems like a cause and effect, doesn't it? Say, I, I want my eyes to, uh, to observe his ways. I want to be about his will and obeying what he's called us to do and commanded us to do. And yet I have trouble with that. Do you know why I believe so often we have trouble with that? Is we're not fulfilling the first part. My son, give me thine heart. We haven't surrendered it. 
We want God to work through us and in us, and we want God to bless us, but we're not surrendering our will to God to be used of him in a way that's pleasing to him. How many times can I ask you this? Don't answer out loud, okay? I answered this when I was preparing the message, and I found myself guilty. How many times has God called us to do something, whether near or far, and we thought to ourselves, he's asking too much of me? You ever thought that? Why can't God just use me the way I am, where I'm at? Well, sometimes God wants to call you beyond yourself. He called Abraham 42 miles from where he was at. Not only did he call him 42 miles away, he was going to call him to climb 2,200 feet up in the air. You see, he was going to have to go farther and climb higher. I'm afraid tonight, just as in our country, in the citizenship of our country, I'm afraid spiritually we've gotten just a little bit lazy. We don't want to go very far. God, I'll serve you as long as you serve me inside the box of my comfort zone. God, I, I'm willing to go anywhere you want me to go as long as you can do it by, you know, it'll be 8.15 here in a little while. All right, I got to get out of here. God, if you're going to work, you better work before 8 o'clock tonight. We don't want to go too far. We don't want to climb too high. You know what the problem is? We're not surrendered. We're not surrendered. Do you know tonight that when you surrender, you no longer have a say in the matter? That when you surrender your will to God, you have allowed him now to set the coordinates, to set the distance, and to outline exactly where he wants you to go. That's what happens when you're surrendered. It's amazing to me how many times. Look, I'm just being honest with you. Wednesday night crowd. I figure I can be honest to anybody. It's Wednesday night crowd. It's amazing how many times you hear complaints about people, about serving God, and I'm just not willing to do that. I'm just not willing to change my life and give God more time and be faithful just in order to serve God. You know what we're saying? That's too far. That's just too far. Aren't you glad the Lord was willing to go as far as he was to come and die on an old rugged cross for you and I? Aren't you glad he didn't sit up there in heaven and look down here to earth and say, that's a long way. For them? For them? The people that will hold the hammer in their hand? You want me to go down there, Father? No. He was surrendered to his Father's will. So how do you know that? He says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's surrender. Tonight, I believe all of us need to make a trip back by Moriah. Why? Because it's a place of surrender. When I was on vacation, uh, thank the Lord, I didn't get a whole lot of phone calls, but I did get a few phone calls. And a few questions, few text messages, and messenger. Folks can get in touch with you through messenger now. They don't even have to have your phone number. Amen. They can get you anywhere you're at. And uh, so there's a few few that I, I knew I'd have to take care of when I got home and some meetings. And don't mind that. It all kind of comes with it. And somebody asked me, are you ready to get back to work? And I said, I've got a verse for you. Acts 20, 22. Now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit. Under Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But you know what Paul went on to say? But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Do you know why Paul, watch this, was willing to go to the hill country? You see, the hill country is a little bit farther and a little bit more of a climb than you're used to. The hill country can be rough country. And Paul says, I'm not afraid of the hill country. I'm willing to go into the hill country. I'm willing to climb into the hill country. Why? Because I'm surrendered. See, how do you know Paul was surrendered? Well, if you go back to the road to Damascus, he says, Lord, what will thou have me to do? 
He wasn't asking, all right, tell me what you want, and maybe I'll go along with it. No, he was surrendering and submitting all in one sentence. He says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And so when he knew that bonds and afflictions, can I tell you, I'd call bonds and afflictions the hill country. Has God ever called you to the hill country? Can you imagine how excited Abraham was to make a trip into the hill country? I don't think he was excited. Why? Every step along the way of that journey, he knew he was going to have to surrender a little bit more every step of the way. Can I tell you tonight, if we're going to fulfill God's will in our life, we've got to stop by Moriah. Do you know when Paul got saved, let's go back to the road to Damascus just for a second. When Paul got saved, he says, Lord, what without having to do? But right before that, the Lord told him, he says, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You know the illustration there, the oxen would be plowing and uh, the, the, the master would have a stick with a point on it. And when the oxen would start to go astray or they would start to slow down or stop, they would poke them there on the heel. And after a while, that oxen doesn't like being poked. I don't like being poked either, do you? What would the oxen do? Well, the oxen would be moving ahead and he'd stop and the master saying it, get moving, get moving, keep going further down the road. And the oxen would start kicking back at him. And he told Paul, Paul, that's what you're doing. I'm trying to lead you, and you just keep kicking back. Can I tell you, oftentimes as a child of God, when I know God's leading me to the hill country, you know what I want to do? I want to kick back. But there's something I want you to see. Do you know, in order for me to kick, I have to stop? Do you know so many of us could have moved on so much further in the will of God for our life if we would just stop kicking at the Lord and started moving toward the direction he's called us to. That's why, listen, that's why you got folks 50, 60, 70, 80 years old and they've never grown out of Christian kindergarten because we always keep kicking at the Lord when he leads us to a difficult place, but he's leading us there because he wants to grow us there. We got to quit kicking against that. Why? Because Moriah is a place of surrender. God wants us to see that. David Livingston, he's one of my favorites. I had a lot of his books in my office. His quote that was turned into a song was this, God, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Sever any tie in my heart except the tie that binds my heart to yours. You know what he was saying? I'm surrendered. God, if you lead me to the hill country, I'm going to go to the hill country. God, I know that that's going to be a long walk and a tough climb. Can you, can you imagine Abraham seeing that hill cross across the top of the horizon. But there's the mountains of Moriah that God's calling me to. He knew what that mountain was going to cost him every step of the way. He had to surrender. He had to let go. Folks, I want you to know, I don't like letting go of things I want to hold on to. But sometimes God calls us that. Why? Because we need to learn to surrender. Think about it this way tonight. I'm going to hurry to the second because it's the most important. True surrender does not come with stipulations. True surrender does not come with stipulations. Where I, God, I will serve you if. There is no ifs in surrender. God, I will serve you but. No, no there's no but in surrender. Surrender means we have given over our will to God. Just today, I was reading about the surrender of Japan. At the Potsdam Declaration, my wife watched a documentary on the day she's sick on the couch and watched a little bit of a documentary on that. And I read the last line of the surrender, and here's what it says. 
the Allies wrote, we call upon the government of Japan to proclaim now the unconditional surrender of all Japanese armed forces and to provide proper and adequate assurances of their good faith in such action. The alternative for Japan is prompt and utter destruction. Notice those two words, unconditional surrender. If you go back and you read the declaration when they surrendered, the Allies stipulated which land they would get to keep, what their government would look like, which businesses and manufacturing they were going to allow. You say, how could one nation stipulate what land another nation has, what jobs another nation allows to have, and who's in charge and how they vote? Can I tell you how they can do that? Because they have been surrendered to them. Yet here's what's amazing. We as the people of God, we surrender to God conditionally. God, I will do what you want me to do. Just don't make me do it that way. Don't ask to change my life. Don't want me to give up any extra time. And don't make me work with people. Amen. Now there are times. Look, let's be honest tonight. Sometimes people can be difficult. You're looking at one of the most difficult people in the world. Amen. Amen, Brother Richard. Amen. Appreciate that. I know he'll be honest with me tonight. Can I tell you, watch, do we want God to use us at Central? I hope so. But God's not going to use us until we make our way toward Moriah into the hill country. Yes, it's a long walk. Yes, it's a steep climb. But there we learn surrender. That Lord, here am I, send me, no stipulations. Whatever you want, whatever you ask, I am fully, unconditionally Surrender. Now, I want you to do me a favor. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 3 real quick. Don't do a lot of flipping, but I want you to see this tonight, okay? Now, what's the name of the mountain? We're here at Moriah. 2 Chronicles chapter 3. And I want you to look down to verse number. Let's go to verse number 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 3. I was in 1 Chronicles. It doesn't read the same first and second, so... Make sure you're on the right one, okay? I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse 1. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in the Mount, what? Moriah. Wait a minute, are we talking about the same place? Absolutely. Where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Now do you remember the story in 2 Samuel 24? David's trying to stave off the plague. He goes to make a sacrifice at the threshing floor of Arana. And Arana says, look, you can have the oxen, you can have the land, everything is for the Lord. And what did David say? say? He said, I'm not going to offer these sacrifices to God, that which costs me nothing. David said, in my service to God, isn't it amazing? It's Mount Moriah. The same mountain. It was the mountain of surrender. David says, listen to me, it's going to cost me something in my service to God. I mean, listen to me, folks. I have looked at folks for many years in ministry, and it's amazing to me that folks look at you like a calf looking at a new gate when you tell them that, hey, in order to serve God, it's going to cost you. We feel like we're doing God a favor. Can I tell you? It is a privilege and an honor to serve God regardless of the cost. That's why maybe tonight you need to go to the hill country, a place of surrender, this place called Moriah. 
God says in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham, I want you to take your son to this place. What was significant about this place? It was a place of surrender. Could I beg you of this before I give you the second thing tonight? Don't be afraid of the hill country. Don't be afraid of the hill country. If God calls you to the hill country, you say, what is the hill country? It's tough. Abraham knew that direction he was headed was not easy. He knew that what God was requiring of him was going to be costly. But yet Abraham knew in order to be in the will of God and fulfill what he's called me to do, I've got to be willing to go to the hill country. Folks, tonight God's going to call you sooner or later to go to the hill country. It's a tough climb. It's a long walk. But you ought to be willing to do that. Why? So that God can make you into what he wants you to be. Now, the second part is what I want to get to tonight. The Bible says in verse 1, Abraham Abraham says, here am I. So the Lord begins to speak. And watch what he tells him in verse 2. Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. Here's the important part. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. This is important tonight. Abraham surrenders between verse 2 and verse 3. Okay, God, I'm going to go along with you. God, I know what you've called me to, and I've surrendered to that. But I want you to notice, surrender has to be maintained. Please get this tonight, okay? Surrender has to be maintained with something even more costly. He says here, offer him there a burnt offering. That means I want you to do something that you don't want to do. You're going to take your surrender to another level. And this is the second part of Moriah that I want you to see tonight. Number one, it was a place of surrender. But number two, Moriah was going to be a place of sacrifice. I want to show you the difference in that tonight, the rest of the message before we conclude. Oftentimes we use the words surrender and sacrifice interchangeably, don't we? You have to surrender something. You have to sacrifice something. A lot of times they are interchangeable, but truthfully tonight, you look at the word of God, surrender and sacrifice have totally different applications. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, let me spell it out this way. Surrender is when you let go with your heart. Sacrifice is when you let go with your hands. All right? It's easy to surrender to something in your heart, but it's a lot harder to sacrifice something and let go with your hands. You say, what's the difference? Well, just a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, we had our Faith Promise Missions Giving. And we all filled out this little commitment card of what we believe God would have us to give in missions this year. Do you know filling out that card and writing out that card, that's surrender. But you know what sacrifice is? It's writing out that check. It's a lot easier to write on that card, isn't it, than to write on that check line. Why? One is more costly. Now, folks, understand tonight, on the road to readiness, number one, you're going to go to Mount Moriah. It's the hill country. It's going to be a long journey and a tough climb. And the only way you're going to make it is to surrender. Okay, God. No matter how steep the climb, I'm surrendered to it. No matter how long the walk, I'm surrendered to it. Hey, that's wonderful. But wait, number two tonight, you've got to realize Moriah would be a place of sacrifice. There's a song we sing. I like it. Sing it at camp all the time. What does it say? I have decided to follow Jesus. I love it. I think we could sit there and sing all those verses all night long. And boy, let them soak in just a little bit. I want you to think about something tonight. The song says, I have decided to follow. I have decided to follow. Could we just interject tonight? I believe that's surrender. Watch. I have decided to follow. Isn't it wonderful when God stirs your heart in the direction you need to go and in a church service you bow before God and you say, okay, 
I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. Hey, I've stepped out on faith a couple of times in my life, and oh, what a spiritual rush it is. It's scary. It really is. But then, wait a minute, the other part of the song says, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Do you know what the second part of that song is going to require? Sacrifice. It's easy to sit up here in church on a Wednesday night and sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. And hey, I hope you do that, all right? You ought to be at least willing to do that. I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen, wonderful, all right? Tomorrow, sing the second part. No turning back. When you're at work and nobody else believes like you do and nobody else even prays over their lunch, all right, no turning back, no turning back. You say, but if I bow my head to pray, people might laugh at me. That's the sacrifice. you got to be willing to sacrifice your feelings, sacrifice what you think other people think about you. Maybe it's a young person tonight. You say, well, I have decided to follow Jesus. Thank God for that. You ought to at least make it to step one. But, oh, there's going to be a time. Well, nobody else wants to follow Jesus, and you're the only one. And now you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to make your way to the hill country where not only do you surrender to what God's called you to, but then you sacrifice for what God's called you to. I think about our theme this year. I'm excited about it. I'm thankful as much as I've grown this year, trying to become ready to be more used of God and be ready when the Lord returns. And boy, we get excited about it, Theme Sunday, Vision Sunday. I just told our teachers a minute ago, I mean, we get excited and we have Vision Sunday and uh, then we have Missions Conference in Easter and then all of a sudden we drop off through this doldrums of summertime. It's one of the scariest times for a preacher, a pastor, a youth pastor. Why? Because all the sheep get scattered in the summer and then you have to gather them back up and you spend the rest of the year getting everybody back where they need to be. It's a, It's tough. And we get excited about the theme of what God wants us to do, but then we realize in order to become ready to be used to the Lord, we're going to have to sacrifice something. You look on that little card we have this year, we have our soul winning on there and our prayer time and our devotion time. I don't know about you, I, I love my devotion time. Just me and God. Get along, talk with him, let him talk with me. I talk as clearly and as plainly as boldly as I can when it's just me and God. Tell him how I know I failed him and how I know I could do better and asking for mercy and praying for grace. And God will be sitting there talking, but then I realize, good night, I got stuff to do. I got people I got to see today and all this stuff at the office got to take care of and all these things. And all of a sudden, man, you start rushing your devotion time. Now you're sacrificing God rather than sacrificing everything else for God. It's one thing to surrender, folks. It's another thing to sacrifice. Uh, years ago, um, at our camp, we go on a mission trip at the end of at our last camp every year. We go on a mission trip, and we would literally pick kids from that camp to go on that trip. It was, it was crazy, but we had a great time. And uh, it was amazing how many kids would suddenly feel the urge to surrender to missions. Say, hey, we're going on a mission trip down to the projects in Florida, and it's just a cornucopia of of, of nationalities down there. We're going to go down there this inner city, Jacksonville, Florida, and do Bible clubs in there and uh, go on this mission trip. And it's amazing during that week of camp, how many kids are like, I think, I think the Lord wants me to surrender to missions. No, they just want to go on a trip. That's what it was. 
well, you started talking about the sacrifice because on that trip, we didn't have money for that trip. So my grandfather had a palm tree trimming company on a golf course in Florida. And so from 8 o'clock every morning to 12 o'clock in the afternoon, those kids would work on the golf course carrying palm fronds out to the road while those folks were up there in the trees clipping them. They had to work half a day to pay for their missions trip. Suddenly, there wasn't as many people surrendered to missions. Suddenly, they just didn't feel the call. Maybe it was just indigestion. I'm not sure. Maybe it was on spaghetti night, and they had some heartburn from the spaghetti sauce that were there. But suddenly, when they realized they were going to have to sacrifice, they weren't sure about their surrender. I want you to understand this tonight. On the road to readiness, you better believe you're going to have to surrender along the way. It's a long walk. It's a steep climb into the hill country of Mount Moriah. But number two, understand once you get there, you're going to have to sacrifice to fulfill what God has called you there to do. June of 1995, this year will be 28 years ago that I surrendered my life to the Lord. And I remember as a 15-year-old kid, man, it's the most exciting thing in the world that I'm going to get to serve God with my life. I was so excited about it, Brother Aaron, you were there, I remember. And uh, man, had a fraternity of guys that we're going to serve God together and just look forward to that, making memories and so I went back, worked at my dad's church kind of as a children's minister there for a little while. And as I got into my, you know, 19, 20 years old, became the youth pastor there at our church and worked with my dad. And during that time, I decided, you know what, surely I'll be getting married soon. Joke was on me. But I was going to be getting married soon because I was 19, 20 years old. And so I decided to start building a house. Amen. I think if you're going to have a wife, you need somewhere to put her, right? And so I cut down some trees out there in the woods and uh, dug up all the stumps, rented equipment and getting the stumps out, ran a water line about 200 yards and started buying concrete blocks to lay a chain wall so that I could pour my slab up off the ground. Man, we were rolling with that. And sure enough, a couple years later, I, I met Leslie and we got married. And man, I'm excited about going to have a house. We weren't in the house yet, but I'm going to build this house. And, and then the Lord called me to pastor in another city. Boy, I had a dilemma in my mind. What, this is where I want to build my house. Boy, beautiful spot. If you go to the camp behind the backstop on the ball field, overlooking the hollow, it's beautiful. A little stream running through the hollow. That's where I always wanted my house. That's where I, a tornado hit there a couple of years ago, so I'm thankful it wasn't there. Uh, but that's where I was going to build it. And then I got to thinking, Lord, if you're calling me there, how am I going to build my house here? You think it kind of makes sense that you're calling me to over there, but I want to build here. And then you have those light bulb moments. Oh, oh, you mean not only do I have to surrender my life to you, I have to be willing to sacrifice for you. And you just kind of feel the Lord shaking his head. That's my son. He's a little slow. A few years in, he got it. You see, just surrendering to what God's called you to is not enough. The way that you maintain what God has called you to, it starts with surrender. But watch this. Surrender will get you started, but only through sacrifice will you keep serving. There's no way we can continue on the road of the will of God for our life, this road to readiness, without having to sacrifice something along the way. And unfortunately, as Americans, we've had it too good for too long. We don't want to sacrifice. And that's why we don't see a whole lot of folks being used of God. Can I give you an example tonight before we draw this thing to a close? Philippians 2, if you want to turn there, I'll read it to you. Follow along, make sure I get it right, okay? Philippians chapter number 2. By the way, did I tell you I found my Bible? Brother Mickey Broom found it for me. I appreciate that. I owe him $20. I forgot about that. Philippians chapter 2. I want you to look down to verse number 5. 
You say, well, those guys on television, you know, they surrender the will of God and get a private jet. Well, let me show you why they're wrong, all right? Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, watch what the Bible says about the example of Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Watch this, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation. Wait a minute, stop right there. But made himself of no reputation. You know what that is? Surrender. He surrendered. He took off the crown, took off the royal robe, got up from the throne. Watch what it says. Made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of the servant. Rather than be regal and royal in all the praise that he deserved, he surrendered it. He surrendered the throne. Why? Watch close. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Do you know what humbling is? Surrendering. Surrendering. That's what the Bible says, to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Surrender. But wait a minute. Watch what our example goes on to do. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And what is death? That's sacrifice. Surrender, 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 sacrifice. If any man will come after me, who are we talking about? Him. He's our example. He's the one we're supposed to be following. If any man will come after him, let him deny himself, the Bible says. Take up his cross and follow me. Well, the Bible says he was obedient unto death, even the death of his cross. Number one tonight, can I tell you that on the road to readiness, be prepared to surrender. Here's what I believe most Christians are going to be when the Lord comes back. I believe this. You're going to be somewhere between verse 2 and verse 3. I told you one day I'm going to write a book entitled White Spaces. And that white space on my Bible between verse 2 and verse number 3, there's a lot of people there contemplating surrender. Okay, God, I know what you said, but we've not taken the step of verse 3 yet. Why? We've yet to surrender. Can I ask you tonight, what is it that God wants from you? What is it that God's calling you to do? What direction is God? He said, but God, don't you recognize that's hill country? Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid tonight so many of us have a flat land faith. We don't want to go into the hill country. Lord, you know that's 42 miles away. Can't you just use me right here? God says, I can, but there's a lesson on Moriah you need to learn. And it's the lesson of surrender. You're going to go 42 miles. You're going to go 2,200 feet up that mountain. Why? Because you've got to learn about surrender. And then more importantly, you've got to learn a little bit about sacrifice. Romans 12.1. Listen to it in light of this truth. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Watch this. Stop right there. If I present you with something, I'm surrendering it to you. Present your bodies. God, I am willfully bringing this to you. That's what we do. When we present someone with an award, we're giving it to them, right? I mean, what kind of a low life would you be to present somebody with an award, then take it back? No, you're surrendering it. Here, it's yours. I want you to have it. But wait a minute. The Bible says present your bodies a living what? 
sacrifice. Notice surrender came first, sacrifice came second. This is what God has called us to. And yet how often are we not pleasing and acceptable unto God? Why? We're unwilling to surrender, we're unwilling to sacrifice. I think I've mentioned to you many times before, I have a little bit of a fascination with Mount Everest. Never been there, probably never will go there. Maybe on the way up in the rapture, I can look down and see it from the airplane. You know, just kidding. I was not an airplane. But I was reading about Mount Everest several years ago, and it's one of the largest garbage piles in the world. Did you know that? Mount Everest is one of the largest garbage piles in the world. What do you mean by that? Well, every climber that attempts to summit Mount Everest leaves over 18 pounds of garbage on that mountain. Every climber, thousands of climbers every year try to ascend Mount Everest. Many make it up to the top, some die along the way. But as they go up that mountain, watch this. In order for them to make it to the top, they have to leave behind unnecessary weights that are holding them out. We're talking about oxygen canisters, we're talking about tents, we're talking about food packages, anything that's a weight that they don't need, they leave it behind. Why? Because they understand as they head, watch this, into the hill country. They don't need anything holding them back. Oh, the mindset we should have tonight. The mindset every one of us should have that as God calls us to our Moriah to climb that hill, we cannot afford to hold on to anything that God has called us to sacrifice. I know it's hard. I don't like letting go of things either, but I don't know about you. I want to summit Mount Moriah. I want to reach the summit of Mount Moriah. Therefore, I've got to learn, number one, to surrender. Number two, I've got to learn to sacrifice. Think about Esther. Esther's on her way to becoming who God would call Esther to be. Somewhere along the the line, what does Esther say? If I perish, I perish. She finally made it to the sacrifice place. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, oh, God wants to use them, and God's going to use them. But they've got to get to the place where they don't care anymore. They're so surrendered, they're willing to sacrifice. You know, the disciples had to do that. Straightway, they left their nets. Watch, he called them, they surrendered, and eventually they sacrificed. Could I ask you this one more time? What is it tonight that God wants you to surrender? And if you've surrendered, are you willing to sacrifice in order to fulfill what God's called you to do? Now, how do we do that? I'm going to close right quick. Stick with me. The best part is the very end. How do we do that? Well, I want you to notice something, verse 2. He says, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou, what's the next word? Love us. Do you know that's the first time the word love is mentioned in the Bible? Love, loved, lovest. That's the first time you're going to find the word love mentioned in the Bible. It's amazing that Genesis 22.2 is almost like a mirror image of John 3.16. Why? Because Isaac's a type of Christ. I think we could all see that as he puts the wood on his back, carries it up the hill, preparing to become the sacrificial lamb. Thank God he provided a lamb there, but old Christ would go all the way. Now watch this. Abraham loved Isaac, did he not? Yeah, God acknowledged that. Then why did Abraham go through with it? Well, I'll tell you. Here's the key. Abraham loved God more. He loved God more. You say, well, he must have hated that kid. (laughs) No. The Bible says he loved him. Then why was he willing to let go of him? Because he loved God more. Do you know why we're not willing to let go and sacrifice whatever God's called us to on the road to readiness and the will of God for our life? Here it is. Watch. 
we love it more than we love God. What did he say? If you love me, keep my commandments. Abraham was willing to let go of the son that he loved. Why? Simply because tonight he loved God more. Now, he said, well, that's a lot to ask. I want to show you something right quick. Guys, did you get the picture I sent you earlier? Good deal. I was a little late. I want to show you a picture right quick of Mount Moriah. And these specific locations are a little bit up for debate. Please don't debate me after the service. I don't feel like it, to be honest with you. If you look at the blue line, you're going to see a ridge of Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is not just one mount. It's several mountains that are connected in somewhat of a chain. Uh, I called a friend of mine yesterday just to verify. He's been there several times, make sure I was right on this. And if you look closely, you see the elevations. It's quite interesting there. You have the Temple Mount. That's where David would get the threshing floor at Arana. That's where they would build the, the temple, the first temple. Now, understand this. Watch what happened there at the temple. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Somewhere along the way, some believe it was all the way at the top. Some believe it was halfway through. We had the account of Abraham and Isaac. And what did call, God call Abraham to do? He called him to sacrifice on Mount Moriah. You know, if you keep going up that mountain chain, it will ultimately lead you up to a place called Golgotha. All the way up on those chain of mountains at Mount Moriah. Interesting, this is a topographical map. Interesting, probably coincidence, I don't know. It's 777 meters above sea level. Coincidence? I don't know. We can debate that later. But it would be at the top of this hill, at the peak of this hill, at the pinnacle of that hill. The word there, Akeda, means a place of binding where Isaac would be bound and Christ would be bound. You see, Christ was willing for you and I to go into the hill country and go all the way to the top to make the sacrifice for you and I. And today he says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Do you know what that means? You and I need to make our way to Moriah. We've got to make our way to Moriah. We've got to learn about surrender. Folks, look, this thing of ministry, it's not a game. This is not a career. This is a calling from Almighty God. We've got to be ready to do the will of God for our life. The walk is going to be long. The climb is going to be steep. But I'll tell you tonight, we're not the first ones there. We'll be following right in the footsteps of our Savior. Abraham was preemptively following in the footsteps of Christ. Because at the very pinnacle of Moriah, do you know what there is the ultimate sacrifice? Here it comes, and I'm done, I promise. Self. Self. At the bottom there at the Temple Mount, you're sacrificing animals. Here Abraham's going to sacrifice Isaac, but at the very pinnacle of it all, there's sacrifice of self. Do you know when you're going to be ready to be used of God? When you're ready to sacrifice self. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. One of the most important stops Abraham would make, can I tell you what it was? It was Moriah. On the way to Moriah, he learned to surrender. Okay. God, I'm letting go. Every step he took toward Moriah, he was letting Isaac go. Okay, God, I'm letting it go. Can I ask you this tonight? Has your heart let go of what you've been holding on to? Look, that's why we call it surrendering to ministry. You don't have to be just a preacher to do that. You've got to be willing to let go. God, all right, I'm surrendered. Whatever you want, whatever you ask, I'm going to let go of it. 
But then I'm going to be willing to follow up my surrender with sacrifice. Not just going to let go with my heart. I'm going to let go with my hand. And oh, you could not be following in the footsteps of Christ anymore than when you learn to sacrifice yourself. Could I ask you to do something tonight? Make a trip to Moriah. I don't know if I can afford a plane ticket over there. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about it spiritually. Let's go to Moriah. Let's learn how to surrender as a church and sacrifice as a church. Heads are bowed tonight.